Hello everyone, Happy New Year and welcome back to Back of the Grid. My name's Chris and I am still joined by Tom. Hello. And by Stu. Happy New Year. Happy How are we all? New Year, Chris. Happy Thank New you. Year. <laughs> I mean, ha- happy-ish. <laughs> let's, let's not get into hmm. the reasons why this year may or may not be happy. Yeah, but some, some F1 stuff's actually happened. There's some news, believe it or not. Actually, I can't believe it. After the last, like, from like the moment F1 went back in Austria, it seems to have been nonstop news since then. So it's actually quite nice to have at least like a week or two where nothing happened. But yeah, just a little break. Just news, news, news. It's it's back. It's all going off. Uh, we'll start with news that actually broke today for once. Um, there was news mm. on the day we recorded the podcast, not the day after. And that's that Cyril Beatable is leaving Renault. Uh, pretty out of the blue, this story. Like I didn't hear any yeah. rumors yeah. leading up to this. He's been there since 2016 when they sort of came back as a full-time manufacturer. He was actually due to be taking over the entire sort of Alpine sub-brand this year um, because the new boss kind of is very much pushing motorsport and pushing that sort of Renault sports car brand. And they had all these announcements that Cyril Vitor was going to be running the whole brand alongside the F1 thing. And yeah, I guess that's just all disappeared now. It seems very strange and sudden, doesn't it? Yeah. It definitely feels like something's going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. Mm. It's because he didn't get that tattoo. Well, yeah, I mean, (laughs) is he just running away from a tattoo? It seems an odd, it seems strange to me, this, because Mm. he got some podium, got a couple of, they've been on kind of an upwards trajectory. So, yeah. They're, I mean, they're not where they said they were going to be at this point when he started running the show back in 2016. But even so, like, they are on an upward trajectory. It's not like they've just been failing miserably and that's why he's either gone or been pushed. So, yeah, yeah. it's a strange one. Hmm. Um, yeah. So there's the Davide Brivio guy, isn't there? Who? Yeah, so... So they announced Laurent Rossi, who's the director of, what is it, strategy and business development at Renault. He's going to be getting the CEO of Alpine job that Cyril was supposed to be having. They haven't announced who's running the F1 team, but as you say, this Davide Brivio, who was the team manager of the Suzuki MotoGP team, has suddenly left Suzuki. Um, from what I've read, it seems another very sudden thing that's... Uh, shocks the people in charge of Suzuki who are now scrambling for a new team boss. Mm. Um, So it's nothing announced yet, but it's expected that he's going to be joining Renault. Um, I mean, I don't know much about MotoGP myself, but from what I've read, it sounds like he's a bit of a a legend within the team and within the sport. He's achieved an awful lot there. So it sounds like he's the kind of guy you want to be getting in as a team boss, but not great on the dawn of a new season to be changing your uh, who's running the show this late in the day, is it? No, yeah, it's it's a uh, seems. A, I'm just gonna, trying to find some information about this. I mean, this is not Davide Brivio. This is a footballer, so I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's not him. <laughs> no, it's um, he was big at Yamaha for a while as well. I like I, to be honest. I've not followed um, MotoGP that closely in the last couple of years, uh, but I feel like Suzuki made a bit of a comeback. Like, I mean, I'm sure I'll get corrected on this if I'm wrong, but I feel like Suzuki made a bit of a comeback in the last few years and he's been sort of a key part of it. Yeah. Um, and 
obviously when Yamaha had their resurgence with like and Lorenzo was winning titles, I'm pretty sure he was the one that was there then. Mm. So well, I, can I mean, he's, he's been very influential page. in MotoGP for sure. I'm on his LinkedIn page, and he hasn't <laughs> updated that yet. It's still uh, <laughs> still team manager at Moto G- for MotoGP at Suzuki Motor Corporation. Uh, I can tell you, as educated at uh, <laughs> wow. in- Instituto Villa Greppi de Monticello, just just read his full CV. You're not going to remember what um, else going on. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I should be doing this, <laughs> so, I'll, so I'll stop. Um, um, it it does feel a little bit like um, there were I've forgotten his name, but the new guy at Williams who was part of the um, I think it was the VW um, rally team, and he kind of oversaw a period of success. Yeah. And McLaren brought in um, Andreas Seidel, who again he kind of oversaw a period of success within uh, WEC. So it's essentially the new. Uh, thing in F1 is just find someone who's been successful in another motorsport and parachute them into a job. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, it worked well for McLaren, so I guess the hope is it worked yeah. well for Williams. And I, I guess for, it's, it's a little bit different when it comes to team management as well, isn't it? Like, yeah. I mean, from a maybe an engineering and a driver standpoint, the skills are slightly less transferable. I'm not saying they're not, I'm just saying they're less transferable. A team management role is. I would say the most transferable yeah. of of the kind of roles within it, or at least the prominent roles within an F one team. I would say mm. it's yeah, probably it's... somewhat more complicated running a Formula One team, I think, than a MotoGP team. Oh yeah, I would say so. But I mean, in terms of sort of people management and getting the best out of people, yeah. that's a core part of any yeah. job in in that role, no matter if it's motorsport or not mm. so i think that is i mean i'm not saying you could just like pick a jose Mourinho or someone up and drop him in an f1 team and they'd be able to do it because they coach players but that's an interesting yeah. experiment <laughs> what like get a football manager and get jose Mourinho. Like a... yeah when, when jose, jose Mourinho inevitably gets sacked from was it tottenham he's at at the moment yeah um just parachute him into a low league formula one team see what they see what he can do <laughs> I should yeah. do like a, a manager swap for a, a race or two. Hey, that'd he, make a good he, he season can... of um, what's the Amazon Drugs thing? <laughs> what's, what's the other one though that's on Amazon? The one oh, that's um, about managers and teams. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Can't remember. Uh, yeah, I, can't I know what you mean. We could get. It's, just great. It's, just great <laughs> it's just, it's just great content. It's just great. It's amazing. Content. Whatever that show is, it's amazing. All or nothing. All or nothing. That's, that's it. it. Yeah. That's so, well like, done. just move a manager from like, like soccer, football, drop him in. Get Mourinho to Maranello, take... and we'll send Bonotto yeah. off to Spurs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That'd be great. That would that be superb yeah. content. Get I feel like... they, can av- they can advertise that instead of AWS in during the Formula One. Yeah. It'd be much more appropriate. I feel like a football manager would have more success running a Formula One team than what a Formula One manager would having managing a I football I think team. so as well. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. I think so, an because, an F1 because you need is, to... You, yeah, as you say, it's, it's, very, about it's getting, very corporate, yeah. Yeah, it's about like getting a team of people together and facilitating them being the best at what they do. Whereas a football manager is more, you need to know more about the nitty gritty, I suppose. <laughs> I can just yeah. imagine like a Mourinho type figure with the whiteboard 
doing the whole like, okay, we're going to start in 4 4 2, and then we're going to move to 3 5 2 during pit phase one. <laughs> just like, yeah. these are the tactics, boys. He's just drawing a line we're on dr- the circuit. <laughs> He's just like stood around like halfway through the race going, ref, it's half time. Where's the whistle? It's <laughs> like really confused. <laughs> anyway, wildly yeah. off topic. Nice detail. Immediately. Yeah, sorry, that's <laughs> just It's fine. Just start in 2021 I mean, where we left off 2020. If. If you're new for this season, welcome to Back of the Grid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, next bit of news. Uh, Aston Martin are officially going to be called Aston Martin Cognizant F1 team after they've signed a new title sponsorship with it's an American IT corporation called Cognizant. They've released a few images showing off the green livery. We kind of expect them to be having. I mean, I say showing off the livery. They've just, it's the logo on a render of a car and the car is green. Um, they've said they're going to reveal the actual livery at some point next month. I want to read you a quote from Lawrence Stroll, which I very much enjoyed. He said, With this deal today, what we wanted to do in returning Aston Martin to the grid is do everything the way I only do things, Stroll explained, uh, which is there's a five-star deal and then there's a Lawrence-star deal. I want to have relationships oh. and associations with titans of industry, best of class. So this is a <laughs> Lawrence-star deal, guys. <laughs> I didn't even know he had his own star rating. That's, I'm, that's I'm good like, to know. I'm really warming to Lawrence Stroll. Like with this and like that mad video he released when um, uh, when they got the fine uh, back in Silverstone, and he like <laughs> released that video of him talking to camera. And it sounded like he was uh, like holding someone hostage and making demands or something. Like <laughs> yeah, he's oh, turning yeah, into a bit of like a uh, an Eddie Jordan, Flavio Briatore, just. A little yeah. bit mad team boss, isn't it? I quite like <laughs> yeah. it. I'm enjoying watching this transformation that he's going through. <laughs> yeah, this obviously means BWT are no longer going to be the title sponsor that have been around since 2017. They joined it with Force India and then yeah. obviously Racing Point. Some people have said they think there's still like talk behind the scenes of keeping them on, but uh, Aston Martin released one of these images that like has the team logo with all of the sponsor logos underneath and BWT were nowhere to be seen and to be honest, like they've always seemed to be like the kind of sponsor where it's like we're either fully in it and your car is bright pink or we're not interested sort of thing. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it, it's the same in any other motorsport that they sponsor. They're, they're like uh, um, the lead sponsor of any team pretty much yeah, yeah. They, that they're involved with, aren't they? So unless somebody else is willing to take that deal with them, I, I can't see them being around. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's a potential opportunity for someone like a Haas or a Williams potentially. Like they're both both yeah. teams that could do with a, a bit of cash on the side. And I think BWT have been paying um, Racing Point a pretty substantial amount to, you know, have the full paint job on the car. So there's, there's a chance they might pop up another team. I think. Um, I mean. Has probably unlikely because I don't think many people feel like being associated with that team given recent events. But well, I think Williams would be a good fit, to be honest. I could see a pink Williams oh. at the back of the grid. Yeah, I suppose mm. it. I suppose it depends on how beneficial the new um, consortium. Yeah, I guess that so. Owns the biz- <laughs> that owns Williams. See it. The new capitalists, bunch of capitalists. I mean, yeah. well, if they're bringing, I don't think they'll mind if they're bringing in a chunk of cash. Then they'll yeah. probably paint it whatever color they want. They want them to at Williams. <laughs> hmm. um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I remember when that that livery came about, and I was always a little bit. I don't think it looks that. I, I'm I'm not against the color pink. Um, I think 
pink, the right color pink could be really cool in a Formula One car. But I always felt like that car was just, it looked a little bit, it doesn't look that great on a Formula One car. Yeah, like, we've it's had not what? quite luminous enough for me. Like I want a really, a much more bright, almost mm. like marker, but you know, the pink marker pen that you get. Yeah. Like fluorescent pink. Like much more fluorescent. Yeah. I prefer that color. I mean, you know, let's not make it the Stu talks about his favorite color podcast, but <laughs> I do think that that one always looks a little bit washed out and not quite right on a Formula One car, just because there's not enough flat surface on a Formula One car yeah. for that color to mm. really do its job. Yeah. I mean, it, to be honest, I think it looks a lot nicer on, like, say, the Porsche yeah, Super Cup exactly. cars, the yeah. GT3s or whatever spec they use these days. I think it's GT3s. Mm. So it looks a lot nicer on stuff like that than it does on an F1 car. And I think maybe the contours of an F1 car are probably the reason for that. I think that, yeah, I mean, logically that makes sense. Yeah. Because um, the, the livery itself is, like, laid out almost identically across every single car they put it on, isn't yeah. it? It's, yeah, pretty much. There's very little variation in the layout. It's a pink car with a white diagonal band and BWT in big blue letters. Like that's the same on every car that they put yeah. it on. So it's like when you I make a livery it's just the type. It's like when you make a livery on a computer game and then you just switch the car and it pastes yeah. it onto the other car. <laughs> just paste on every on. single car. Yeah. Um, I am glad that we're not gonna get like a a half green, half pink livery. Like there's loads of mock-ups online knocking about oh, yeah, of like I wasn't a fan of those. They're just it's just a bit it's like a watermelon, doesn't it? Really, like it's not. I mean, it's not a good look. I'm. I'm hoping that the full livery, when it is revealed, is the the sort of the modern, what you would call the modern Aston Martin racing colours, which is that sort of very dark green, that forest green kind of colour, with the fluorescent yellow like trims and like details. Yeah, so like the saying. like the the out the outer edge of the airbox intake and. Like maybe the the wing mirrors, yeah, tip, tips on the wings, things like that, like in that bright fluorescent yellow, maybe like I, the hook you know caps on like, the rims and stuff. I'd really like it if they did the bright fluorescent yellow as like the main color of the car and just Oof. put pink accents on it with that. I think that would be wild. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, that's they... just inverted Mr. Blobby for any UK <laughs> listeners. <laughs> they have had that in like their WEC cars before, I think, haven't they? Like a yellow one with green accents. Yes. Oh, they have yeah, they have. Yeah, yeah. The um, um, what is it? The World Endurance, the Le Mans car has that. Yeah, the GTA one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, from what they've released so far, it, they're definitely going for that classic British racing green. So yeah, I'm excited to see yeah. what they do with it. Uh, speaking of Williams, we mentioned them briefly. They are increasing their technical partnership with Mercedes, which essentially means that mm-hmm. from 2022, they're going to be having gearboxes and all the associated hydraulic stuff from mercedes as well as the engines which is this feels like the first kind of real departure from the way williams have traditionally done things um since Mm. the williams family stepped down and doralton took out like williams were always very much other than the engines we build our cars in-house like we are car manufacturers and they didn't really take anything else from elsewhere um so yeah, this is a, a definite departure from that. I think it makes sense though, especially when you can get yeah. the gearbox from the same people that are making your engine. Like, it's kind of a no-brainer, isn't it? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of logic to matching up your engine and gearbox supplier. I think that you look at what sort of Ferrari have done with Haas and Alpha, and sort of what 
Red Bull have done with Toro Rosso, and I think it makes sense for Mercedes to go down a similar route. I mean, that sort of <laughs> that kind of have with Racing Point without necessarily knowing exactly how much they would uh, be sharing designs. But given that Williams is where Mercedes have like dropped their young driver prospects as well, it makes sense for them to be, you know, sharing stuff with them and giving them a bit of a nudge up the grid, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, the one, I mean, in an ideal world, you want your sort of next in line, if you want to call him that, George, in that scenario, to be like getting decent opportunity to prove himself. Hmm. And I think given like the opportunity that he got in the Mercedes showed that he's got the potential, I think, that most of us think he has. But I mean, this, it, it can, you can only race so many people at the back of the grid in. I mean, to be fair to the Williams, though, by the end of last season, it probably wasn't the worst car, was it? So they'd already made some progress. Yeah, definitely. And so yeah, it's probably the third best car, wasn't it, by the end of the season? Yeah, third worst. Third worst, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think that partnership just makes it a bit stronger. And, I mean, maybe that's been Williams' problem for the last few years has been that, like, maybe stubbornness is a harsh word, but that... Dogged determination to do Yeah, exactly. To, to, they, they, were, they were like really dug in on the, we will do as much as this as we actually can for ourselves. And maybe it was just hindering them more than it was helping them. So yeah. it will be interesting to see where that partnership leaves Williams yeah. this season. I think for a long time, Williams have been acting like... A mis- like acting as though they are Mercedes without the budget of Mercedes. And it shows mm, that yeah. because the development's just not been there. They've been trying, they've almost, feels to me like they've spread themselves too thin. Yeah. And as a result, they've just come up with uh, not the best car every time because there's just not enough development going into each component of that car compared to, say, Mercedes, Red Bull, Ferrari, you know, even Racing Point probably. So, yeah, it's good news, I think, that they're sort of consolidating a little bit more, maybe focusing a little bit more on the stuff they're really good at and specializing in. And then yeah. the the stuff that other people are really good at that they can literally just buy into and put on their car, then, you know, why not? Why not do it that way? I think that's it's just so, it just makes such so much more sense to do things that way. Optimize, isn't it? It's, not, yeah, it's optimization. It totally yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it's a it's a smart move from them. I think I hope it's it just feels like another tick on the sort of boxes I need to tick to keep moving forward. So yeah, hopefully they'll yeah. start a bit bit closer to the rest of the pack this coming season. Yeah, speaking so. of this coming season, um, it's bad news time, and that bad Uh-oh. news is that it's looking increasingly likely that the Australian Grand Prix is going to be postponed at this point in time. Hmm. there's some pretty strict COVID restrictions in Australia at the moment the current restrictions mean that all F1 personnel that flew there would either need to get there 14 days in advance of uh, needing to be at the circuit to quarantine themselves or that every team would need to charter flights out there and operate in really strict bubbles both of which would obviously be a bit of a logistical nightmare I think it's fair to say Yeah. yeah 
So it's looking now like we might be looking at Bahrain for the season opener, which will be March 28th, which we still don't know where pre-season testing is going to take place. Uh, it's, it's going to be Barcelona or potentially Bahrain. So I guess if the season's potentially starting in Bahrain, just go in there, doing your testing, and then just leaving all your stuff there until the season starts would make a lot of sense. Yeah, certainly would. Um, it would be a postponement for Australia and there's potential for them to slot it in later in the year, but it is already a pretty packed calendar. Yeah. So that I, uh, would be that. I think anywhere that gets postponed, achieve. anywhere that gets postponed at this point already, looking at that calendar, there's just, unless loads, unless they literally do what they did last year and like nearly everything gets postponed, then yeah. Yeah, there's just no way that you're going to fit a race. Once, you, once your time slot's gone, it's gone. Yeah, once yeah. your time slot's yeah. gone, it's gone. It's going to be very, very, very difficult. And and um, I think China are looking at the same thing as well, aren't they? China's kind of in doubt for similar reasons, yeah, it seems like. Um, there's rumours around that sort of behind the scenes, Imola and Portimao are being sort of lined up as contingency plans for this to potentially slot them in around kind of April, May sort of time. Wow. There's, but there's still the TBC slot, which I believe is the last weekend of April. So mm. that that could be where one of them goes, and they might try and slot in another race the weekend before or after yeah. that. So, oh, so they're basically they're, China and Australia are squabbling over that slot, aren't they? That's what's happening here. It's probably too soon, though, isn't it? Like if if you're going to not be able to run a race in the middle of March, are you really going to be ready to run a race at the end of April? All of the teams that are leaving the UK to, I mean, basically, if you don't know, I mean, if you've lived under a rock for the last few months, you don't know what the <laughs> and you don't know what the situation is in the UK. The situation is we've got a worst case of COVID, the worst variant of COVID that that spreads more easily. Australia are kind of like on top of it, and there's just no way on earth they're going to let a bunch of Brits into the country. No, <laughs> the, no one wants yeah. us for very good reason. Like, yeah, yeah. Like most of the te- most of the F1 teams are British-based. Like I think probably 50 or 60% of the teams are based in Britain. So, Probably's so yeah. So there's just that. It's not, and, and obviously the whole operation is based in the UK. All the all the stuff is, is kept at Biggin Hill. And the southeast of England at the moment is the the worst place you could be in the UK in terms of COVID. So that's not going to go away between now and the first race of the season or when they, no. or in, in what, eight weeks time when they need to start taking everything out to Australia. So, you know, it's, well, it's the, just, it's not going to happen. No, I think we're somewhere that the circuit needs to be built and complete by the end of this month for the Australian race to go ahead. That's the kind of lead times yeah. I have to work with. So, yeah. Exactly. They'll need to make a decision quite soon. Um, but yeah, looking at that calendar, I think anything outside of Europe in the Middle East is still very much up in the air at this point. Mm. Um, I mean, the it, it's probably, looking at it now, deliberate that other than Australia and China, everything, uh, Baku aside, um, sorry, Baku and Canada aside, everything else is in Europe right up until the end of September. So they'll still be able to get a lot of races in around Europe where they can sort of safely yeah. enough travel. Um, but stuff like Japan, USA, Mexico in October, I guess we just have to see what the world's like when we get to October, don't we? Yeah, there's there's oh, yeah. so much uncertainty still. It's sad because, you know, we're, we're, at the time when the calendar came out, it, it almost felt like we were sort of reaching the 
kind of a a a point where it was getting a bit better. Mm, but yeah. The situation as it is now, I don't think it's been worse, has it? So no. it's... Well, we, I mean, not quite, but we we sort of back where we were, I would say, March, April time last year, at least from a UK point of view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So let's not, let's, not, we let's maybe not yeah. dwell too much on... on, on <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying sort of like, that. that's the point in perspective, like that is when everything across Europe kind of got essentially postponed isn't it yeah yeah so we're in the same boat now we're in that same kind of situation we were as the season was beginning yeah definitely last year yeah so i will say though 23 race calendar if we end up losing a couple of those i wouldn't mind all that much (laughs) not the end of the world at all (laughs) yeah couple of other newsy bits alex albon is going to be doing some rounds of dtm this year we don't know exactly how many yet. They've just said it's going to be selected DTM races whenever his F1 duties as a test and reserve driver allow. Uh, we also don't know what team he's driving for, what car he's going to be driving, and who he's sharing a car with. But we do know he's going to be teammates with uh, another Red Bull junior, uh, Liam Lawson. It seems a weird place to send him, though. Like, a lot of huh. XF1 mm-hmm. drivers go to DTM, but... Not many F1 drivers go to DTM and then come back. Yeah. It's, it's kind of where they go out to pasture, isn't it? Historically. Yeah. Oh, I didn't want to say that. I didn't want to say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I mean, or they come from there and then eventually go back if F1 doesn't work out. I mean, Duesta did. Duesta came from DTM. Yeah. Had a, had a few decent years, but then went back to DTM. Verline as well went out there before yeah. Mercedes could find a spot for him. So it's not unheard of, but... I yeah. guess maybe maybe more of a holding pen, hopefully for. Uh, I, I guess the, I guess the positive read on it would be that they very much want to have him around the F one team, doing all of his test and sim mm. jobs as a primary thing, and the DTM stuff is just there to keep him a bit race fresh, like on his off weekends. Yeah, yeah. Like it's not like keep... they're just sending him to Japan to do a full season of Super Formula. Like they, yeah. they can't yeah. do it with a lot. They, of they need, they need to be milking him for sim work, don't they? I yeah. Think, do you know what though? <laughs> I think that's the logic in choosing DTM because uh, mentioning like um, going across to Asia for the Super Formula over there, you're not going to be available to do sim work constantly if you're over there, and. You can't go back down to... I mean, I suppose technically you could go back down to F2 because he didn't win it, but it's unlikely. Mm. You're not really... I mean, is is Roman Grosjean not the only ever person that left F1 and went back down to F2? Yes, I think so. And that was basically because he got told, you're not allowed to drive an F1 car for a while. (laughs) (laughs) So he had no other choice. Um, But, I mean, like, there is... You're very limited on where you can go with open wheel racing i think once you've hit f1 there's nowhere well, at least at least it's in the same uh what i'm thinking is it's more in the same like travel circle because obviously dtm moves around europe so like they have races in austria they sometimes come to the uk once or sometimes twice a season like um they go to hungary i think as well so they stay within very similar circuits of travel to what the F1 European calendar does. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's a lot more on tap if he's in that series. Yeah. So if you get like your 
I mean, if you get like you need to drop an air airdrop a driver in, like your Hulkenberg scenario or something, where he was coming in for Stroll and um, uh, not Science uh, Perez last season, uh, where like they were ill or or whatever and having to miss races. If that happens at Red Bull, he is like he's within that distance to be able to retract him from whatever he's doing and drop him back in should they need to. So I think that's the logic really is that yeah. he's way more on hand if he's doing DTM. Yeah. And I mean, it's good that he's still going to be racing. Uh, I'd be interested to see how he gets on. Yeah. yeah. I thought I'd, I, I thought it was more likely to be farming out into, um, you know, American open wheel racing, maybe somewhere out there or, or maybe some world endurance racing. I think it'd be good at world endurance. Yeah, that's. I think that's where I ultimately see him landing, sort of long term, mm. career wise. Um, mm. Is in one of the the new hypercar seats or something like that. Hmm. Yeah, that'd I mean, be interesting. He was like a few weeks away from being a Formula E driver before he got his uh, Toro Rosso yeah. call up. So that's not out of the question either. I suppose in the future. Yeah, he'd make a great Formula E driver. I think. Yeah, I think so too. Um, he was... I mean, it, it is the um, the melting pot of ex Red Bull talent, isn't it? <laughs> it really it's, where, is. it's where it's where all the ex Red Bull talent goes to succeed. <laughs> really, his Formula really E. Is. So I'm, it, I'm if he went there, he'd probably be a world champion. <laughs> 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 just just on like trending logic of who's been a champion in Formula E and where they've come from. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. You're really segueing me through the news really nicely here. Uh, speaking of Formula E, we, we were uh, until you mentioned segue. <laughs> yeah. Um, McLaren have acquired an option to enter Formula E in 2022. What that essentially means is they. Is, this is the same way that Mercedes went into Formula E. The teams can essentially reserve a spot on the uh, on the roster, and then when time comes to choose teams that season, they get first refusal on a slot, basically. So it doesn't guarantee they'll be on the grid, but if they want it, then they can have a spot on the grid in 2022, which will be the first season of the Gen 3 regulations, which I don't think a lot of info has been released on exactly what Gen 3 is going to be just yet, but the change from Gen 1 to Gen 2 was pretty significant in terms of yeah. um, you know, power and battery life and visually design of the cars. Yeah, everything. So be excited to see what they do. Um, it, it coincides with, because right now McLaren supply the batteries for all the teams in Formula E, so obviously they couldn't enter as a team while they were also providing the batteries, but their tenure is ending um, at the end of this coming season, and then Williams Advanced Engineering are taking that over from 2022, which is why McLaren will be able to enter if they want to. Mm. But yeah, it's interesting. Like McLaren are really sort of diversifying their racing portfolio, which is something Zach Brown always said he wanted to do. Like, Obviously, they've entered IndyCar full-time now, they're talking about potentially entering WEC or IMSA endurance racing uh, in the GTE class, presumably. Um, actually, well, I guess they could also enter the new hypercar regulations at Le Mans, couldn't they? Totally, like, yeah. They they it, definitely it, have it, the road cars available to uh, base hypercar on. Yeah, the Senna is a good example. I think yeah, there's completely. one even quicker yep. than the Senna coming up soon as well. Yeah, they've got a couple of ones in the works, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'd be... be... They always will have, won't they? But <laughs> Yeah. It's it's cool to see them diversifying out. Um, it's it's brave. Like, their their F1 project is still very much in the 
the growth phase and they're not where they want to be yet. So to be also diversifying out is um, it's bold, but I like to see it. Yeah, you love yeah, to definitely. see it. You just love to see it. Um, you just love to see it. I mean, they're doing a really great job in IndyCar. Like, have they, they what done two seasons now? I think of IndyCar, and they've they've won some races and got several podiums. Um, hmm. So it shows it can be done. Um, and you know, Formula E in many ways is similar to IndyCar in that teams aren't really designing that many parts. I mean, Gen 3, there's going to be more of the teams designing their own parts, but it's still very much a spec series in a lot of ways. So, mm. Yeah. I've got a question, but I don't think it's I don't know if it's right for this episode. So do it anyway. I'm going to do Just it anyway. When's that ever stopped us? And then we'll yeah. decide. <laughs> when do you think Formula E and Formula 1 will end up merging? And if they do merge, do you think Formula E will take over Formula two. Mm. I, I think Formula One would try alternative fuels before, as they would see it resorting to merging with Formula E. Yeah, I don't I think, think it's uh, going to be any time soon, if yeah. ever, mm. at this point. Actually, Formula One are already going down that path. They're already on the... Um, synthetic fuels route. Yeah, yeah. 100% and, biofuel. Synthetic and, fuel. and I think... I think that's what form like Formula One's ethos as a motorsport has always been. We should be at the the cutting edge of trying something new that can then filter potentially to other motorsports. And like, I mean, as much as you might hate it for the reason that's implemented or or whatever, DRS was a good example of that. Like, they found an interesting aerodynamic solution to a problem. Many would say yeah. a problem that shouldn't have existed in the first place, but that is beside the point. But that is now used in other series and like other forms of motorsport have adjustable rear wings that are maybe not necessarily DRS systems, but they're of the same ilk of drag adjustment and like things like that can filter down. And I think that's where Formula One would go first of we want to make the most powerful impressive synthetic fuel engine we possibly yeah. can rather it's, than doing something somebody else is already doing yeah. i think um i can think of a car that was doing adjustable aero long before formula one had oh, DRS, oh yeah it's exactly it's definitely existed i'm just sort of th- thinking of like a very specific terminology and very specific deployment of it that you now yeah. do see in, in other forms outside of F1. But the reason most people know it as DRS and what it does and how it works is because of Formula One is kind of what I'm getting at, yeah. I guess. Yeah, cool. Yeah, for sure. But um, the, just I, just on that, like the, 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 the little deep dive to go into that, I guess, or the shallow, the, the relatively yeah. middle, middle length dive. <laughs> It's the Toyota Supra had there was an edition of that that had adjustable front lip aero. Oh really? Yeah, which is absolutely crazy. And there is also there's a Skyline R thirty two or thirty four Skyline that had it. And um, obviously the Koenigsegg CCXR had um, adjustable aero as well. But I don't know if that was after DRS or before. I'm trying to think where the time. Bugattis were as well. The Bugattis had yeah. to just yeah. The Bugatti Veyron had the big brake rear wing, didn't it? That yeah. um, that flapped like, up. I, I mean, that's kind of like the opposite of yeah. what DRS does, but yeah. it's still the same principle. 
of making that adjustment to drastically alter the drag to gain a difference in speed. Yeah. Obviously, DRS works the other way to reduce the drag. But then once you once you deactivate much. DRS, it does increase braking as well. So you know, yeah. it, it does have the same effect as what the Bayron yeah. has. It's just you're disabling the downforce for a moment. It'd be interesting actually if they had like a two way DRS where they could really flap things up, close, open things up even bigger and make things. I think there should be more movable aero on Formula One cars myself, but. You know, you, you've definitely got road cars that are doing much more interesting things with aerodynamics at the moment yeah. than, you ha- than yeah. Formula Formula e, Formula One is. I, I, I suppose it's going to depend where the aero goes with these next generations because yeah. those regulations are just about sorted now. I think. Yeah, and they, they, yeah. right now they seem to want to move away from wing-generated yeah. aero and go more towards um, yeah. floor-generated. So. Yeah, entertainment, and which which well, actually yeah. kind of flies in the face of the 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 philosophy that sort of has been around for a long time. And, and Tom, I think you're right in saying it, but I think these days they're definitely more interested in making good racing than they are making the fastest possible car in the world. Yeah, but just I, just I, think... I mean, you can see that just by the way they're decreasing the aero on the cars, you know, this season to slow them down. Well, if... I think the difference as well, though, with floor aero is that you can gain such a lot from it. But in the previous era where designers were experimenting with floor aero, uh, floor aero and like the, the side skirts and things like that, it was in an era of Formula One that was a lot more dangerous and those cars were a lot more susceptible to... Um, I guess accidents is like sort of failure in those kind of things. Yeah, weren't they? Like yeah. it was, it was deemed too dangerous essentially to have that kind of aero advantage with the safety measures in place. Whereas now we're in a very different scenario there. So I think that's why it's very much more on the table now. And it would produce better racing in theory because of the difference in the way that it generates aero and there's less hindrance on any car behind. So yeah, if you well, can make a good floor package like... like a Red Bull, for example, you're suddenly gaining tenths on teams because mm. your floor package is that strong that, and you're not going to be hindered by following another car, or at least a lot, lot less. Yeah, well, I think that that kind of was my thinking with the open up the adjustable aero sort of route because if you're following a car, the car ahead obviously has a. Um, is able to adjust its air. Maybe that car is able to adjust its air to produce less drag along the straights or through the corners because it's got mm. clean air. And then if you've got an ability to, you know, increase the amount of wing you're running whilst following that car, which I think they, they did experiment with um, for front wings um, during the early like 2010s, it was. Then the theory is, if you can oh, yeah. increase your downforce while following another car, then that's going to negate the dirty air problem that all yeah. these cars have. And I mean, we're talking sort of it's all academic now, anyway, because there's a new uh, regulation set coming in next year. But it would be more progressive, I think, if they went. It'd be more in keeping with the old philosophy of Formula One cars should be the fastest possible car that you can get rather yeah. than the entertainment route, which they're probably favouring that little bit 
weighting a little bit more towards now than what they have in the past. Um, Do you know? I think I think the reason that we're in this scenario, though, with that that you're mentioning there, is probably more to the fact that in the past the regulations were way more open to interpretation. The yeah. the, the regulations are so like as in the, the from a design point of view, the the aero engineers are so boxed into what they can and can't do and and the regulations are so strict in that sense you can't just turn up to a race with a giant fan strapped to the back like people <laughs> did or like the the <clears throat> do you remember the uh, wing on the front that sort of came up out of the um, the nose yeah. right in front of the driver which again was like stopped because they were dangerous and they were unsafe to a degree but like i mean you you just don't get that anymore, mainly because the regulations are so tight. Like the most advanced of those kind of things we've kind of seen is stuff like the double diffuser, and to the naked eye or more casual follower, they're probably not even going to know what's what that yeah, is and what's going I mean, on even, with it. It's even very... back in the day, like I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Even now, probably I couldn't really tell you exactly how a double diffuser worked. And if I was looking at one, I couldn't tell you a double diffuser from a diffuser that we have today say like i wouldn't really i'd I'd struggle to Mm. really identify like how the air was flowing around it and what the difference is even though i'm i I feel like i'm okay at that but like with those things they were really really complex well i remember at the time there were like articles all over the place with people like annotating photos like showing what they were and even then it was like I'll, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll take your word like, that it's what? there and that he's doing a job. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like it, it says a lot when something like the little monkey seat or whatever they used to refer to it as, the one yeah. that went across the yeah. rear wing near the exhaust that sort of dealt with exhaust air and stuff, That when that is considered like a huge advantage and a technical innovation from an aero perspective, I think that shows you how restrictive yeah. aero regulations are. Um or I mean, the F duct was very, very simple, but considered a bit of a breakthrough because it found a circumvent in the yeah. uh, circumvent, a circumvent in hey. the rules. <laughs> that wasn't intentional <laughs> until I said it, and then I realised how it sounded. <laughs> uh, I don't know how we've got here, but no, Aero I enjoyed it. A bit of a yeah. weird rabbit hole there. I'm yeah, sorry. it's Stu's shall fault. We, shall we move on? <laughs> that might not even make it into the episode, I don't think, but let's carry on. <laughs> oh, it will. Oh, it will. <laughs> Always does. Last couple of bits. This is admin more than anything. We're going back to races starting on the hour. None of this 10 past business anymore. Oh. Which makes... I mean, it makes yeah, sense. I f- that pleases me. That does yeah. please me. Maybe my work hours will be less weird this season then. Yeah, uh, it's also, speaking of Stu's work hours, it's not guaranteed yet, but it's there's a good chance they're going to be moving European races uh, forward an hour, so they'll start at 2 p.m. local time rather than the 3 p.m. local time they have been for the last few years. Um, so you'll be starting work a bit earlier, I think, Stu. But that's mm. not guaranteed I mean, yet. I don't know if it'd feel about that one. <laughs> <laughs> depends, depends on the race, I suppose. Depends the on the European yeah, one, yeah. It's, it's only the European ones, it seems, so it's not going to affect your, like... You don't have to be there at four AM rather than five AM for a. Uh, yeah, I mean, by that, Japan at that or point, at that point, it's academic, it's just isn't it? Much of a muchness, yeah. Carry yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> but the most important bit of schedule stuff: uh, an hour's being cut off practice time. 
Uh, FP1 mm. and FP2 on Fridays are now both going to be 60 minutes rather than 90 minutes. They have been for quite a long time now. So, yeah, a whole hour yeah. less practice per race, which oh, I don't think anyone's going to miss it, are they? We've, we've been saying there needs to be less practice for some time now. It's not exactly the way yeah. I would have done it, but still. I think that's probably like feedback from the the races where we've had those adjusted sessions yeah. probably, isn't it? Well, I mean, the first half now of FP2, nothing has happened mm. for as long as I can remember anyway. So it's not like we're going to miss much, I, is it? I wonder what they'll do with the tyres in that scenario then. If the tire, is there anything about the tyre regulations? Because no, I didn't, I didn't notice that. this until you've just mentioned it now. And the first 30 minutes of free practice one, I want to say it is, you get a dedicated set of tyres that are like a freebie for the weekend that mm. don't come out of your allocation. Then you just give them back once. Yeah, you the have first to give half hours half. done. Yeah, so mm. so it'd be interesting to see if they still get that for the first half hour. Yeah, hopefully. And it's just a short, so, I mean, shorter session. The, the one, I guess, one of the points of this is to encourage more cars to be on track more of the active time. So mm. I would hope they don't take tires away because that's just going to discourage them from running, isn't it? Well, that'll be their excuse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think like the the other thing that that this does is it 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 impacts reliability, doesn't it? Because they're obviously running the engines yeah. for 23 hours less per season. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Or 23 hours than they would have in yeah. the season. Yeah. So that's quite a lot of, you know, a lot of runtime. Make sure the that they'll adjust the um, engine yeah, the, component uh, yeah. allocations as well. Because, I mean, they already have practice gearboxes, but all of the other components they just run the sets they have the season so yeah i mean then again weren't they already reducing oh no they were going to but they decided against it didn't they give them the after they pushed the the new rule set back a year i think they decided yeah it's kind of stayed where it was they probably won't i would guess but we'll wait and see i guess yeah but interesting interesting I still think. I, I mean, we all. I've, I've said it multiple times on this podcast. I still think that the best way of doing it is keep Friday practice, have a sprint race on Saturday afternoon, and have qualifying on Saturday morning. I think that's the more logical way of doing it. Yeah, just but, would, like without not even getting into the sprint race debate, just replace practice three with something of consequence. <laughs> because yeah. right now like three practice race. sessions <laughs> <laughs> i'll take anything over practice three honestly it's useless yeah, it's, it's so dull it's so so dull um anyway, okay that's about it for for newsy stuff that's that's caught us up with everything that's happened until uh mercedes announced lewis hamilton's new contract tomorrow morning before we can release this podcast because yep yeah that's I'm, back of the grid no, yeah Shall nothing we talk triggers a driver as... announcement Shall we talk about that as though it's happened? Because we're expecting it to happen. So is this... I mean... Con- was this ever in doubt? Lewis on your multi-million yeah. dollar deal. Yeah, is there anything to talk about other than <laughs> it was always going to happen? <laughs> Everyone yeah, knows yeah. it's going to happen. It's... Yeah, it's... I mean, if any, if anything, I want them to announce it just so it stops the constant post on the internet of how would Mercedes look if George Russell partnered Valtteri Bottas? I, I just want to stop seeing those posts. I'm tired of them now. Yeah. I still, it was interesting the first two hundred times, yeah. But now it's now there's enough of those. Please stop. Yeah. If you make that kind of content, please stop. <laughs> I still kind of hope they wait until after the first uh, test session to announce it. Like have him driving around in a car without a number on or something, just to like 
Would they, uh, would they be allowed to do that though? Because he has to yeah. be officially registered as an entry though, doesn't he? No, because uh, Kibitza did some of the preseason testing for Alpha last season. I think he is again this season. But so he was officially registered as a reserve driver. Yeah, true. I guess. Could you have? I think you have to. Be, he doesn't which have a contract. I, I think Lewis is provisionally registered as Mercedes's driver. As it stands, yeah, it's just his contract hasn't been confirmed. So I think I think you're right. Technically, they could just run him because he's he's been provisionally registered. But I'm sure the, it would be interesting sure the if they rocked would, up and he wasn't. It'd be yeah, I'm sure the media would find a way of making a huge song and dance about it. Oh, of course way. they would. Yeah, right. Shall we make some some big old season predictions? Let's we do it. Tend to do this this time of year every year, so. I was going to start with picking who we think is going to win the two championships, but mm. are there any of us that thinks the two championships won't be Hamilton and Mercedes? Let's phrase it that way. I don't. I, I can't see it going any other way unless yeah. something crazy happens. I mean, does anyone have a bit of like a, a sort of a wild card out there? Because that's how we've done it in the past. Like I yeah. remember, like we we just made a, a a bold statement prediction. Like I think. For 2019, it, I said Leclerc would score a point before Vettel at Ferrari when it was Leclerc's first year, and I think Stuart Leclerc will finish the season higher than Vettel, and yeah. we, we had things like that. So I'm going to put one out there. Should we start? This is with my our, bold statement. I was, was going to say, should we start with our um, the ones we're more confident that will actually happen, and we'll build up to the boldest ones. I mean, yeah, I'm confident okay. no matter what. All Mine, right, then. mine's the same one throughout. Go for it then. A McLaren driver will win a race. That's a good one. That is a good one. I think... Um, at some point. I think there's a decent chance that that could happen. I mean, they had podiums last year. And came very got a Mercedes close. engine this year. Yeah. That's, that's the one thing that it could either go horribly wrong or really well for my prediction. Because if it doesn't work very well in the back of that car, my prediction's... Yeah, gone. it depends how easily that can shoehorn doesn't it? Yeah. But if it works well, we're in like a Force India territory. Well, not Force India. They're not even called that anymore. <laughs> well, point, yeah, I, I mean, I'm going way too far back now. Generations that car, Mercedes 2.0, the pink Mercedes that we expected, that could win a race after we watched it in pre-season testing. Yeah, totally. And obviously eventually it did. It, it was circumstantial, um, but it still happened. <laughs> it still did. So you want a... What, what kind of prediction, you, prediction are you wanting from me here? I mean, yeah. whatever you want. Let's, let's, let's go with... <laughs> I don't know, whatever you've got. Throw, throw something at us. Okay, Sebastian Vettel will win a race next season. That's a good one That's well. a good one, yeah. And again, I don't think and I'll that's... go. I'll go a step further and say, and beat his teammate over the course of the season. I mean, I'd hope that's a given. But... <laughs> yeah, I really yeah, that's... I mean, be <laughs> I'd be very surprised if that one doesn't come true. Well, it's the second yeah. part. First one I've got down is Williams will get double digits of points. Ooh. Okay. Stunned silence. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say. Um, it's, 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 what, what was their points tally this year? Zero. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, did, did he not get a point? No. No, because George's oh, other points yeah. came in McLaren. Uh, was, in McLaren in Mercedes. Mercedes. It was zero no, last season they, he... and two the season before, I think. Yeah, Kibitza got a couple of points yeah, in Germany. That mad two. Germany race, didn't he? Yeah. So, yeah, George got three because he got oh, he did, he ninth and then the fastest lap. Yeah. yeah. 
but obviously it was in the Merc. wasn't in yeah. the Williams. Um, Ethan, have you got another one? Another wow, one for us? Really wild one. Oof. You want three total? That, that's the one, to be, to be honest, that's the one I think is most likely to happen of the three I've written down. What, your Williams wow. one? You think that was the most likely? I think well, so. you would, wouldn't you? You predicted it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this Newsflash. is... I'll, I'll not, I'll not read the last... prediction is correct. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'll, not, I'll not embarrass him with, him with the last four years of predictions like, <laughs> results that he's had. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, let's all just um, ignore Chris for a moment. <laughs> um, Actually, sorry, now Chris. look at it, the second one I've got is probably slightly more likely. Okay. Oh, Do wait, you, you mean of, your, of yours... Of yeah, the yeah, predictions of, of that mine, you have for yourself. Oh, I thought you that, meant of like, God, we're ripping okay. into you, both thinking that you're, okay. you're yeah. sort of thinking your yeah, own. Yeah, I was going to say, how hubris, little prediction you hubris, hubris right there. <laughs> Brutal. Right. Um, okay, I've got, I've got another one that's a 50-50 one, I think, a little bit like my McLaren one. Mercedes will not renew Valtteri's contract <laughs> by the end of the season. Because he's on another one year, isn't he? He is, the yeah. Season. Yeah, I th- I would be very surprised if Russell isn't announced for the 2022 yeah. seat. I'm with you there. Yeah, that's a good one. That's it's a, a good solid one. one. That is a good one. Okay. Um, Fernando Alonso will end Ooh. the season without a podium. Ooh, Ooh. that's a very good Ooh. one. Yeah, trigger. Trigger warning. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I like that a lot. Opened up a pack of Delitos with that one, I think. <laughs> no, that's good. I like that. That's you'd need Renault to go backwards a little bit, I guess, for that to happen. I which think, is yeah, which is a yeah. Well, things don't exactly a... sound stable there right now, do they? Exactly. Like, especially yeah, when it was exactly. Cyril Abitable who seemed to do the legwork to get Alonso into the team, and now he's mm. bounced. Well, and you got to remember, McLaren have got the uh, Mercedes engine as yeah. well. Yeah. So the McLaren driver winning a race is probably going to... Well, yeah, I mean, to... McLaren beat Renault with their own engine. So, uh, yeah. I mean, you'd think they'd be able to beat them with a superior engine next season. Yeah. Um, what have I got next? Next one I've got down is... Oh, yeah, Perez will win a race before Verstappen does. Oof. That's an interesting one. Win a rave I mean, before. Win a rave. <laughs> there we go. The the internet will implode if that happens. I'm just putting that out there. It's that's yeah. as much a it's as much like Verstappen's just really crappy record with reliability as it is anything else. Like yeah. the amount of retire Verstappen raced the least laps of any driver last season. Like he just seems really? to have yeah less that's than anyone maddening. else. Well, he had, I mean, he does get a lot of turn one DNF kind yeah, of Yeah, he had at least two, maybe three. Well, lap one. Lap one retirement, yeah. Yeah. And his his bill at the end of the season for car parts must have been I know, right. sky high. And very few of them his fault, to be fair. Mm, Stuff you, just... Well... He has a lot of technical failures and he's... Is that down to something he's doing with that car, though? You know, well, is he, that's, is he that's a whole the discussion, hard on his it? cars to to cause that. I don't think it's coincidence that you know it's not just yeah. bad luck for that to happen. I think that has to no smoke without fire and all that. Exactly. Like this is this is a data driven sport. Remember as well. And like to back that up though. To back that up though as well, you would say that if you maybe have a look at the last couple of seasons where he's handily outperformed a teammate and we've always looked at it and gone wow max gets something out of that car his teammate 
yeah. can't. Maybe if you did a comparison of that against DNFs, uh, uh, like technical DNFs, not crash DNFs, maybe there is your answer that he does get something more out of the car, but at an ultimate cost of component right, failure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's a good point. I guess, like, if you are faster, then inherently the loads going through the car are going to be mm. higher. Therefore, the parts will wear sooner. Yeah. So, you know, if you are pushing that car that extra bit further than the other driver is, then the wear and tear is going to be more, and therefore you're going you are going yeah. to have more failures. So it could be to do with him just being quicker, but at yeah. the same time, like, they need to be able to spot that and mitigate against it, and he needs to. If you if you continuously yeah. drive beyond the capabilities of the car, then eventually the car will fail. Yeah. Yep. Um, you want one more from me, I bet, don't you? You want it to yeah. make it a three for. Let's, let's have three um, each. Ooh. I've gone. Three I've gone all. pretty silly. Well, yeah, I've gone quite wild in my last one, so I'm, feel free to push the boat out. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do one that I maybe need to draw a measurable against this, but <laughs> I'm basically gonna say. Science will stay in touch ah. with Leclerc and he won't just get absolutely blown out of the water. And by stay in touch with, I mean like the head to heads will be like, I mean, I'm not saying he'll beat him or he'll be tied with him, but like in a 23, 23 race season, it'll be like 13 10 Leclerc. Yeah, he's not going to get blown like away. That. By him. Or like Leclerc might have a win and five podiums. Science has got three podiums, but without a win, like yeah. he's he's going to be reliably there or thereabouts with his teammate. Yeah, yeah. I think we can work with that. General general prediction. Okay, that's good. Um, mine can be. I've just I've literally come up with all of these on the fly, but my one. <laughs> so have I. Um, <laughs> Red Bull will win a race before Mercedes. Whoa. Oh, oh, that's bold. See? That's Especially if they start in Bahrain. Yeah, <laughs> that's a crazy one. Then again, last time they were in Bahrain, didn't go great for Mercedes, did it? No. <laughs> oh, well, that's that's a good, that's a very bold one. Yeah, I don't think that one's going to come true. But then, you know, it, a lot of that depends on sort of which races get cancelled at the start of the season. Yeah, if you end up starting yeah. The season in Austria again. Then <laughs> it might end in up the rain. Yeah. yeah, it's a, it's it's a fun one though. I like that. Yeah, it's um, out there. My last one is. Sebastian Vettel will finish third in the drivers' championship. Wow! Oh, that's that's so kind. I like that. <laughs> Vettel appreciates your gift of faith. <laughs> I'd like to see that happen. I'd, I'd like. No, to see I would. I would like like a bit of a, a comeback, if you will. Like a. It it relies on how. Well, all these changes at Aston Martin will get bought together. <laughs> yeah. How yeah. similar the Aston Martin. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it also relies on Red Bull not being up there. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I I don't have a ton of faith in Red Bull being any worse or better this season than they have the last couple of years. Do you know what I do like in this is that we've managed to get nine pretty different predictions there. Yeah, there's, there's quite a range there. There's this quite a range of the nine, and you'd pre-written yours, and me and Stu were just making them up as we went along. And it's still, we've still got nine unique ones. Yeah, there's a, there's a handful we'll be able to tick off partway through the season, and a few we'll have to wait to the end yeah. of the year. But um, yeah, we'll definitely revisit these mm, throughout the 100%. year and the end of the season. 
We're going to take a quick moment now to tell you about this week's sponsor, which is Manscaped. Manscaped make a range of male grooming products, which they very kindly sent us a sample of, which I think we've all been enjoying using from what you guys have said to me. Yeah, very much so. Been great. The star of the show, I guess, the Lawnmower 3.0 with the all-important <laughs> skin-safe technology. What does it do, Chris? What does? <laughs> I'm trying to decide how much we talk about genitalia, given that we're like a borderline family-friendly podcast. The, ca- the catchphrase is, your balls will thank you. And I can tell you already that my balls have thanked me. I'm glad to hear it. I guess to like keep it in phrasing with, with our usual content, you don't want to have any accidents when you're out in the runoff area. <laughs> Manscaped keep uh, keep the chance of accidents to an absolute minimum. No punctures of the Manscaped no. around your knackers. <laughs> it's also got a light on it. I guess if you yeah. want to do some 24-hour endurance manscaping (laughs) they also do the weed whacker which i i would never have gone out and bought myself a nose hair trimmer but now i have one it's like a game changer yeah i'm just trying to think of a way to make it f1 related now yeah i'm struggling with the nose hair trimmer for f1 related (laughs) to be fair it is actually genuinely a really good product yes joking aside i used all the stuff all the potions it comes with a couple of potions as well which are really really refreshing i like that you call them potions do they refer to them as potions i don't know what i can't remember what they refer to them as the toner and the deodorant and stuff. That's the one, yeah. Toner and deodorant. Yeah. They're both really freshening and yeah, they made my girlfriend really happy. <laughs> <laughs> the bag that comes with it as well is really, really good. I would stress to point out as well, the um, the packaging question as a whole is called the performance package. So if yes. you want the package that's got everything that we've talked about, the lawnmower, the weed whacker, Stu's magic potions. Toiletry bag, toiletry bag in there. And of course, you can get money off if you use code BOTG. Yeah, so if you head to manscaped.com, uh, and use the code BOTG at the checkout, you can get 20% off and free shipping. And yeah, all joking aside, like genuinely can't recommend this stuff enough. It's it's really, really good. If you want your balls to feel slicker than a new set of Pirellis, try <laughs> Manscaped. <laughs> your balls will thank you. Your balls will thank you. Shall we finish up with some inbox? Yeah, let's... Yeah. Do you want me to read the first one? I'd like a jingle, but... Oh, yes. It's your soundboard. Nearly, f- n- nearly forgot about that. <laughs> Is. Uh, keep it saying now. Stay, stay on. Hey, Tom. It's, been too many, it's just your sandbox broken. <laughs> <laughs> it's been too many weeks since I've had to push the button. I kind of forgot it existed. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Brizzle McLaren, I, I mean, I'm loving the name, yep. says, What team is on the back foot over the winter and who do you see making the most progress versus last season? Oh. Um, I mean, McLaren (laughs) on paper should be on the back foot because they need to fit an engine into a car that it's not been designed for. Mm -hmm. They've probably got the biggest ask in terms of um, adapting. But uh, that being said, I'm fairly confident they'll they'll be able to achieve that Hmm. fairly well. Yeah. I think Ferrari's got the most to gain. Mm Mm-hmm. And they seem confident that they will have a lot of gains so far from what they're saying, like on Dynamo tests and stuff. Yeah, they are probably the team I expect to have the biggest leap last season to this season. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, do do any of us disagree with what (laughs) we've put together there? (laughs) No, I don't disagree with that. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Probably, I mean, you've got to think who... Also, like the lower end of the teams, like, you know, you look at Alpha, Alpha Romeo at the end of the season last year, they seem to be sort of drooping backwards a little bit. 
And in a season where the cars are largely being carried over to next season, that's a really, really bad sign. So I think there's a bit of work to do over at Alfa Romeo over the winter to sort of get that car back yeah, on song. Absolutely. I, I think they're partly re- relying too much on Ferrari at this point as well, though, aren't they? I think they have a, yeah. a well, I guess issue there. I guess the hope would be that the new Ferrari engine that all the Ferrari teams will, in theory, get next season yeah. is going to sort of shunt them back up the order a little bit. And yeah, then I guess exactly. if that is the case, then you're probably looking at Haas as being the, the team with the most well, sort of work to do, I'd say, because... They dropped so far back by the end of the season yeah. that yeah. they were almost in a, a different league kind of thing. But then so, in F1, the further back you are, the easier it is to close that gap. Like it's finding hmm. finding the mean, initial bits of time to close the gap is the easy part. It's the last few tenths that are the, the hardest yeah. ones to find. So I, I would just say tell that to Williams for the last few well, years. Yeah, there is that. They might not yeah, agree. looking for those last few tenths <laughs> for a while. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, Ferrari basically have a like Haas corner in their factory. Like they, they yeah. they're going to be working far closer with them, and like having a dedicated part of the Ferrari factory for Haas. So it sounds like a weird part of the show. Let's go over to Haas corner. <laughs> I mean, Haas corner. I mean, I'd rather not go to Haas corner this season any more than we have to, given that, no. given the state of things over there. But there we go. Uh. Next, uh, Udit Kishore, I believe that is. Will Alpine slash Renault's change of management structure lead to a tangible change of their results? Yes. And I don't think it'll be a positive one. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a big upset. Yes, I think so too. It's... Even if it's like, you know, the, the car itself is probably most of the way there at this point. But I think just organisationally... It's such an upheaval to mm. have this close to the season. Um, um, yeah, I, I can't. When you've them. also got such a significant change of driver as well yes. going on, in losing Danny Rick and replacing with Fernando Alonso, who is a driver who isn't known for um, keeping his opinions to himself when things aren't going yeah. well. Yeah, I think they're going to have a, a tough start to the year. I mean, the the other thing is that he could manage Alonso extremely well. Like, he's used to working with the big personalities in MotoGP. Yeah, if, true. If, the, if that is the the deal that is set to go ahead. If so, the rumours are true, yeah. Yeah, you, if, if if that is what's going ahead, like, the, the, the kind of people he's worked with, I mean, maybe they're not the same as Alonso in terms of outspokenness, but they're very hot-headed and competitive guys in MotoGP. So... I'm sure he's used to dealing with those kind of egos that Alonso will definitely bring back to that team this year. I mean, it's just Formula One for bikes, isn't it? So, (laughs) essentially. (laughs) So, I'm sure every MotoGP set fan right now is absolutely screaming at me, but. I'm, wait, I'm waiting for the. I'm just waiting for the the one the other way around. Where it's just <laughs> Formula One for cars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just MotoGP for cars. <laughs> you do wonder how much say Alonso is getting in these decisions there now, though. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, part of you, you kind of like, is it? Is it because Alonso's in there that 
Abita Ball's gone as he joined the team and thought, actually, I don't really get on with this guy very much. I might go and do something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never know. Shrouded in mystery, that one. It's, re- it's still very weird, yeah. Yeah, really interesting. Well, I'm, I'm I'm excited to see how that plays out, actually, and see, yeah, see if any more news comes out in the next few weeks. Shall we do the next one? Go for it. Um, Liam McEwen says, oh, more, more Abitable. With, with <laughs> uh, Abitable leaving Alpine, does this make Red Bull return to Renault power units in 2022 any more or less likely, in your opinion? That's an interesting question. Oh, that's a good well, that thought, actually. Do you know what? I'd not even thought about that. Yeah, same. Um, I would because... argue probably not. Because I think the higher ups at Renault, I think, yeah, I think Renault won't be making power units anymore before Red Bull ever go back to them. Because the way things are at the moment at Renault, with some of their sort of top dogs and their the way they're looking at their motorsport programs, it's kind of not very favourable in terms of like the way Formula One works for them. So yeah. I think you're more likely to see the end of a Renault program altogether than you are seeing Red Bull buying Renault engines. Yeah, Red. Well, Red Bull are only going to have Renault engines if they have to, and it's, it's yeah. a real possibility that within the rules they will have to be supplied Renault engines. But yeah, they're definitely going to explore every other avenue they can before that. I think. But if they yeah. do end up, I think the kind of like at the very least the day-to-day working relationships in the paddock will probably be a bit better because it's no secret that Christian Horner and Cyril Abitable were not the best of friends. <laughs> um, yeah. They all got a bit schoolyard, didn't they? they all a bit playground very silly. sort of childishness. Um, I, I honestly think Red Bull will make their own engine before they buy a Renault power unit. I mean, that, that appears to be the, the route that they're trying to head for, doesn't it? They just yeah. need they're a bit of an engine freeze, in- don't they? Yeah, they're putting the pieces in place. I think eventually mm. they've got they they do have the resource ultimately that they do have the money if they needed to to start an engine program. If if that means you know getting experts in from other places, poaching some Mercedes staff, poaching Ferrari staff, poaching Honda staff, then that might yeah. be the way they have to do it. But eventually, yeah. you know, it, it's not the it's not unachievable for 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 Red Bull to be looking at this kind of thing it'd be it'd be a mammoth effort but it is doable the problem for them is you're not going to start building engines from scratch and be winning races in your first season doing it and at that point verstappen's gone and verstappen is the best thing red bull have got going for them by some margin at this point in time so the the, driver's so good he keeps breaking the car (laughs) too good for the car Yeah, at least I can build engines that can handle him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. or try. <laughs> uh, next one, uh, Wesley Paul says, if F1 teams were horror films... <laughs> okay, here we go. I see Red Bull as the one where the call is coming from inside the house. <laughs> Max says he doesn't care who his teammate is. He's not had to worry about a teammate for the last two years. Checo is at his best. Do you think Max might start caring who his teammate is now? I'll be honest, I didn't know where that question was going when it started. I, like <laughs> yeah, where it yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was going to be like, what horror movie is McLaren? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we went on a bit of a journey there, didn't we? Um, I mean, I have seen a, uh, what I believe is a quote from Max saying he will 
he will destroy Checo like he does every other team there. <laughs> or something. That, I don't know if that's a, a like a, wow. a like a paraphrased or maybe a a bit of a loose translation of something that he's maybe said. And I don't know where it's come from, but it is something I've seen circulating yeah. in the last week or so. The so I don't think he's never, initially worried. You never do know with Max Verstappen, do you? Where, did it? Did he say well, it or yeah. did he not? I'd love. To, there should be a game where you can compare, like Donald Trump. <laughs> did, who said it? Donald Trump or Max Verstappen? Or Max Verstappen. I bet there's some interesting, uh, interesting ones in the all that. Um, I think he. You know, I, I don't think. He's gonna wipe the floor. I don't think he's gonna take take Checo down to janitor school and show him how to mop up. I think it's gonna be <laughs> serious competition at that team between those two. I think um, he might sort of yeah. I think Max might be in for a bit of a surprise. Yeah, I think Checo could give him a run for his money, but uh, I mean, What's that? you've got. We, we talk about it all the time. You've got to have that mentality of. Well, I will beat him. So I don't know why you're asking me the question of can yeah. you beat him like you beat with the teammates? Because his mentality has got to be I will beat him. Because if he gets in that car and thinks Oof, I might struggle against Checo this season, he's already starting to lose. And Max is not that kind of guy anyway. We all know that. Max is very ego driven and he's very much like a I am the best. I th- and we'll prove I'm the best. I think so. the potential's there for it to get a bit messy between those two this season, and I'm very much ready for it. I mean, <laughs> I'm so here for it. I'm I'm wondering if we end up with a bit of a um. You remember, like when Vettel and Weber got a little bit mm-hmm. up to boiling point, like multi twenty one and so on, and coming together in Turkey, that that kind of era yeah. of those two, yeah. like, reaching boiling point. I wonder, if, maybe not necessarily at the beginning of the season, but mm. maybe to, more towards the end of the season, depending on how things are going. Yeah. I, I think the only way that happens is if Checo is ahead of him. If, 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 if Perez is ahead of Verstappen, then there will be absolutely, there'll be fireworks in that team because Max Verstappen does not like to lose. Mm. But I think as long as Max Verstappen is just ahead of him, even by whatever margin it is, as long as Max Verstappen is ahead, then it'll be a much more harmonious time that they have at that team. Yeah. Also, hat tip to Hurt from Hoonigan for the janitor school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on that note, last question from Ali Walker. Out of the new drive lineups on the grid this year, who do you think will be the closest in head-to-heads and who do you think is going to be easily beaten by their new teammate? There's a lot of new, lot of new matchups this year. I, I, think, I think going back to one of my predictions, I think the Ferrari partnership will be a lot closer than maybe some expect. I think so too. Um, Science has had his stock rising for the last couple of years, so has his chance to like really drill that one home. Um I mean I, I think I think watching Ricardo and Lando together yeah. is gonna be interesting because obviously Lando's already settled in the team, he's comfortable, he's happy, and he's he's clearly got the talent. We've seen it when the cars worked for him. Um and Danny Rick comes with a bit of a point to prove of he's been pretty quick in every team he's driven in so far. He's got the best out of the car user for the most part, and I think he's beaten most, if not all, of his teammates. Danny Rick, pretty much, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. 
other yeah. than maybe Vettel. Oh, no, no he, he, beat, Vettel. he beat Vettel. He beat Vettel. He beat Vettel so yeah. I think he'll have beat every teammate he's properly gone against in a full season. I mean, I'll stand corrected if that's not the case. But Verstappen, don't, was he in the same team as Verstappen? He was. Yes, actually, Verstappen. Oh, yeah, so yeah, maybe, um, they, they, yeah, they, those two were yeah, close. Verstappen, so that'll yeah. probably be the only one. But, it, I mean, it was still close. It was closer yeah. than any other teammates being to Verstappen. Yeah, yeah. So, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, it'd be, be very interesting to see. That's more of a an interesting dynamic than anything. I don't know how cl- necessarily how close it'll be, but... Yeah. I, think it'll be cl- I think it will be close. I think that one is a really, really mm. close one. That'll be See, one to watch for sure. This might be controversial, but I actually don't think it is going to be that close. I <gasps> think I think Ricardo's got too much for Norris. I, I, I like Lando Norris or not, and I rate him. He's a very good driver, but he the the championship table for the last couple of years made him and Signs look closer together than they actually were. Oh. Signs Signs was a if if you actually go back and like watch the races, Sainz was a better driver than Norris for both the years they were together. But Sainz had a lot of really bad luck, and I think Ricardo is gonna be too much for Norris. Chris. I'd like them. I'd like them to be close, but I don't think they are. I think Ricardo is driving better than ever. Chris, take that knife out of Lando's back. <laughs> I'm not saying you? it's what I want to happen, but. <laughs> I just think Carlos can have a bit too much for him. Okay, so who's yours then? What's your head-to-head? What's your closest? I think I agree with Tom that I think Ferrari's going to be close and a lot of people necessarily think. Um, what are the new pairings have we got? Gasly and Sonoda is a hard one to read. I think Vettel is not going to have too much trouble beating Stroll. Mm-hmm. Alonso and Ocon's going to be a really interesting one. Because Ocon, he's had not the best time since he came back, but towards the end of last season, he really seemed to be getting back on pace. And he's obviously got that podium at the end of the season. And Alonso is like coming back after however many years away. I think that's going to be really... Ocon, I think he's going to be a good yardstick to judge whether Alonso's still got it or not. Yeah. In... I mean, if he has, he'll beat Arcon easily. Yeah. I think he'll... Yeah, isn't it? It's, that is an interesting one to watch. I think... Yeah. For, I mean, oh, there's a lot on the line for Arcon in this one, isn't there? If Arcon isn't sort of in the game straight away, then he's going to be losing out big time. Like, it's a big old challenge he's got ahead of him, isn't it? it? Yeah. It says... I think given that he's got the this season under his belt as well, he's got a whole season on, well, however many seasons it is since Alonso was racing. Um, it'd be strange for Alonso to be beating him straight away out of the gates. And if he is beating him straight away out of the gates, then, you know, Ocon needs to take a look in the mirror, doesn't he? Like, it, it, it needs yeah. to be better. Yeah, very much um, so. But I think my overall... Head to head, I'm with Tom. I think I think my overall head to head is probably <clears throat> Ricardo and um, and Norris. I think that they're the two most for me. I think they're the two most closely matched across all the interesting battles potentially up and down the grid. In, I mean, in, inter team battles. I hope you both right. I very much hope you both right. <laughs> but my gut feeling is that you're not. <laughs> <laughs> they're both in. They're, look, both are interesting. Both are interesting fights. Oh like yeah, the, it's going to be Alonso. It's like the old guy versus the young guy almost kind of thing. Less so at McLaren, but still like yeah, 
you know, it's experience versus, I don't want to say inexperience because they're certainly not, you know, Ocon's not an experience and neither is Lando Norris, but it's, they're like the new blood. Yeah. It's yeah. new blood versus old guard, isn't it? That's, yeah. that's the way to put it. Yep. Mm. It's uh they've both got a big old challenge ahead of them because, you know, Sainz has been around for a, a chunk of time longer than Norris, but they both started the McLaren at the same time. So they were kind of both starting from the same blank sheet almost. Whereas yeah. uh, Norris is really bedded into that team now and he's got uh, arguably one of the best drivers on the grid coming I, to join him. So it's going to be a I big think, old challenge. I think that's the thing that might maybe keep it close though, to be honest, is the fact that Lando is pretty well settled at McLaren now. Yeah, it's... And like I was saying before, and he's, he's, he's happy and he, he clearly enjoys being there and being part of that team. And I think I think him and Danny Rick can have the same kind of off-track sort of friendship and, and enjoying time together outside yeah. of the sport like what he, he and Carlos Sainz did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can see them getting on well together from yeah. that respect because yeah, like they both like to act the fool in like interviews and pieces to camera don't they like they'll they'll bounce off each other really well in that yeah, respect definitely. I think they're, they're so definitely going to be fun to watch off track for it, sure it'll be it'll be difficult for them to like get bad blood between them if results are going one way or the other or pretty close you, you know like yes they're both races at the end of the day but that was the that was the beauty of like Lando Norris and Carlos Sainz together is that they were they were that good of a partnership off the track that it meant that they raced probably even harder against each other on the track because they just they, they knew each other's limits because they knew each other well as as friends outside of the car. And I think that'll probably help keep them keep Danny Rick and Lando Norris close together. Plus yeah. obviously Danny Rick having to come into that team and and settle in, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like I mean we know we all know he's quick and we all know he's yeah. he's a good overtaker, but he's still gonna have to adjust to McLaren's way of doing things from Renault's. Which I can and imagine also, are vastly different. Everyone at McLaren is going to have to adjust to this new Mercedes engine as well. So yeah. F- yeah. You know, it's not necessarily going to be mm. the status quo for Lando Norris. Like Yeah, that's true. The drivers included, like driving a different F1 engine is not Yeah. It's not as simple as oh, it's just a different thing in the back and you stick your foot down. Like there's, it changes there's a lot of everything about the car. Yeah, completely. Yeah. It moves the yeah. weight around the car. That car will handle very differently. Uh, it'll be a different beast from this season's car. There's absolutely no doubt about that in my mind. Yeah. But the the smile that will be on Vettel's face the first time he pulls out the garage with the Mercedes behind him is going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think that wraps us up for this week, doesn't it? Uh, thank you, it. as always, everyone, for joining us. We will be back as and when things happen, I suppose. We're in that weird stage where... There could be a ton of news next week. There could be nothing for two or three weeks. We'll just have to wait and see. But in the meantime, if you want to get in touch, as always, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just search Back the Grid and you will find us. You can also go to backthegrid.com uh, where you can fill in a contact us form there. You can also have a look at the season prediction results if you haven't already to see where you came. Um, and obviously, we'll be starting that up again before the new season starts, as well as lots of other exciting things we've got in the works. But yeah, that'll do for this week. So until next time, thank you and goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.